0: Friends, we have all been shaped by, hopefully, great preachers. When I was 17, I remember the Spirit of God awakening me through the preaching of my pastor. At that time, I was focused on three things. Girls, football, and the beach. You probably can see that. If I attended church, it was begrudgingly or just to perform on stage, With the band. I was a baby believer, but everything changed when the new pastor arrived. For half a year, he preached on the book of Revelation, and through his heartfelt teaching, I was comforted by the love of God. I received a bright new hope of the future. I grappled with the spiritual warfare that is going on behind the scenes of the world. I marveled at the glory of Christ, the Lord of Lords. And the King of Kings, and said, Yes, Jesus is the victor. Sitting in the front row at the edge of my seat at times, my pastor labored to further my newborn faith through the preaching of the word. And today, we're beginning a new series on the book of Titus. And in the opening verses, we meet two people Paul, who is the mentor, and Titus, who is his colleague and mentee in this short passage we see that paul was entrusted to preach but more than this the opening verses reveal a pattern of ministry for titus to follow in his work on the island of crete which is a greek island south of the mainland and so let's take a look with me at the first verse the first word in the letter to titus is paul who is paul well, we learn two things about paul in the beginning of titus firstly we learn that paul is a servant of god the word servant is doulos can you guys say that doulos and it literally means slave from the beginning of his ministry paul took on this title of great humility in romans chapter 1 verse 1 he writes paul a servant of christ jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. In Philippians, in the opening verse, he also declares Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And so after his dramatic, miraculous conversion to Christianity, we remember Paul was actually a persecutor of the early church. After his conversion, Paul surrendered everything to Jesus, to God. He came under the exclusive control of his Lord. He committed himself wholeheartedly to gospel service. The life of Paul was utterly devoted to his divine master. Paul was a servant. Paul was also an apostle. The word apostle is apostolus, which means sent one. In the New Testament, apostle indicated someone who was dispatched to go somewhere authorized by the authority of jesus christ himself those who were sent by jesus were given a -a one-of-a-kind commission to proclaim the gospel and so jesus came he died he rose he ascended on high he said goodbye i'll give you my spirit and his apostles went into all these corners of the earth we pray and it did happen we're here in australia to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And so in this sense, Jesus continued to preach, but not through his earthly body. He preached through the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his apostles. Jesus was, big word, it's in the ESV translation translation, um, manifested. Jesus was manifested, brought to light, appeared through the preaching ministry. Entrusted to his servant Paul. In other words, we hear the lovely, sweet, gentle voice of Jesus, our God, when we listen to and absorb the words of Paul. The words of Paul are the words of Jesus. I first unraveled this, and it was oh, an aha moment at Bible college when I heard this. The lecturer at the time urged the class to open their Bibles to the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. He said, raise your hand if the words of Jesus are in the red letters. A few of us cautiously raised our hands. In a gentle tone, he persuaded us to ditch our red letter Bibles. What was his point? At best, we might be tempted to give priority to the red letters over the black letters, At worst, and this happens today, we might set the red letters of Jesus against the words of the apostles and in reducing the authority of the black letters, we then treat Jesus like he is incapable of discipleship for the apostles he entrusted cannot be trusted. Jesus preaches through the words of Paul. Paul has been sent by him to continue his ministry on earth. And so we've learned about Paul, the man. Let's now move to the message, the word. What did Jesus preach through Paul? Look still at verses one. Paul preached for the sake of God's elect, says the ESV translation. Who are the elect children of God? Ephesians one verse four says, God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The idea is that before the beginning of time, God appointed to everlasting life those who would believe the gospel. God chose you, in other words, before you even could recognize him or know him or comprehend him. God chose you before you chose him. And it's even crazier than this. Even before the first star of creation, eternity was etched on your heart. Wow, think about that. Eternity was etched on your heart, if you love Jesus, before the very beginning of time. Even though Paul had no clue who God had chosen to receive eternity, Paul was a slave for the faith of the elect, But what did he do for the elect? Paul lived for the purposes of their faith. The phrase, for the sake of, and I'm getting a bit nerdy here, so listen, please. The phrase, for the sake of, can also be translated for the faith of or for the furthering of the faith. These versions show that Paul had probably two main goals if we hold these two views in tension. The beginning of faith And the progress of faith. And so Paul was set aside for the elect to not only go to them on the streets and evangelise them, but also to bring them into church communities so that they can be discipled and grow in maturity. He suffered on the streets to evangelise. And he grinded away, often daily, to proclaim the gospel and all its substances. Paul lived and breathed to help the elect not only embrace Jesus as saviour, but also as the Lord who rules over their lives. But what was his chief goal? Well, look at me, verse 1 still. Paul preached the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Maturity was his end game. Paul was never satisfied with a simple conversion story. Imagine that Paul was Billy Graham. Do you guys know who Billy Graham is? He was a great evangelist who swept throughout Australia. Many people came, got saved through his ministry. Imagine Paul was Billy Graham and a thousand people responded to the gospel at one of his revival nights. Believe it or not, Paul would not be satisfied in that situation. For Paul, success in ministry is when the elect move from newborn milk to feed on solid meat of God's word. His goal was to bring about the obedience that comes from faith in Romans. In everything, Paul desired the elect to be so full of the knowledge of the truth that it made a lasting impact in their lives. So much so that when they listened to the word of Paul, which is the word of Jesus, as I've already argued, They would take the word away with them wherever they went because it was in their being. It was like packing the Bible in your backpack. The word goes wherever you go and that is the fruit of maturity in faith. The truth about God, the knowledge about God produces a transformed life. It leads to godliness. It leads to the good life. Right belief leads to right action the more we accept the truth of the word the more we will resemble the divine author who spoke the word into existence tozer said the christian is strong or weak depending upon how closely he has cultivated the knowledge of god think about that cultivating something it's like chewing on the word as we meditate, chew, it gets absorbed into our being. It's metabolized. We need the truth to bear the image of God. And one of the greatest needs in the local church is a plentiful s- supply of gospel certainty to nourish our souls into eternity. I then, where's my Bible going? <laughs> it's here. I simply want to encourage you to eat this book. I'm not I'm not literally talking about eating the pages, but devour it. Get into it. Because if we are all deeply in this book, imagine what could be possible in our church family if we were all so deeply embedded in the life of Jesus. It would be a miracle. It would be transformative. We would be a city on the hill that can not be unseen. Our love for Jesus, our love for each other, our love for the world would be hot, blazing in our community. And so Eugene Peterson, I love this quote, said, Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets absorbed into us, metabolized into us. So feed on the wonders of God's grace found in the Bible. Like Jesus, make it the staple of your daily diet. For if we eat the truth, we will digest reality and become like God. Like Jesus. But is that all all Paul preached? We've learned about faith. We've learned about knowledge that leads to godliness. Those two things hang upon one key thing that Paul preached. You ready? You ready? Hope. Paul preached a faith and knowledge that rests on the hope of eternal life, says the NIV. Hope is the foundation of faith and knowledge. There is no basis for belief or holiness, maturity or living for God without the guarantee of eternal life. The hope of eternity is the basis on which the superstructure of faith and knowledge is built the foundation of hope is so robust that it was promised before the beginning of time as we already know by our god who does not lie verse 2 before the dawn of time god the father vowed to embrace us forever in jesus how comforting is this news we are known from god by god from one end of eternity to the other end of eternity think about that isn't that profound We were known before the ages of time began and will be known beyond the ages of time. In his boundless delight for us, God has chosen us and now welcomes us into his eternal family forever. I can't get enough of that. I can't get enough of it. He is just so good. This is the hope that sustains faith. We were chosen by God to be treasured by him forever. We are not saved by our merits, but because the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to us through the preaching of the gospel. If you believe in Jesus, be therefore full of hope. God sees you. He knows you. He delights in you. He chooses you. He even loves you. And he has a grand future for you. That's our God who gives us hope of eternal life etched on our hearts before time began. So we've heard about Paul, he's a servant and apostle. We've heard about his message, faith, knowledge that leads to godliness and hope. And the final thing that I'd like to look at today is Titus, the mentee. We are now introduced to Titus, Paul's colleague and mentee in the gospel. And who is Titus? Well, if we look at the text here, we see that Titus is Paul's true child in a common faith. The phrase true child tells us that Titus is younger than Paul, like a son to his father. Since he is in the common faith, Titus holds the faith that was once entrusted to all the saints. In other words, the faith that was carried on to Paul is carrying on to Titus, and this is the chain, the common faith, the orthodox faith. There is no heresy here. This is a reliable, trustworthy faith because Titus is enjoying the grace and peace with Paul, the one faith carried on throughout the ages. Further, scholars believe that Titus was a man of extraordinary um, pastoral sensitivity and exhibited outstanding abilities and leadership. From 2 Corinthians, we we learn that he was gifted in organisation. He he, uh, arranged the relief packages for the poor in Judea. He also was quite trustworthy. Paul urged him to go to Corinth to represent him. And finally, in Titus, we learn that he is wise, Paul will use his peacemaking skills to put back into order the church of Crete, which is losing sight of the gospel of Jesus. And it's just, the church has gone crazy, as we'll learn in the weeks to come. But is that all Titus will do? No. Paul opens this letter with a long introduction to the still the vital core of his gospel ministry. Paul, by opening up the letter the way he does, provides a pattern for Titus to follow. Like his mentor, Titus will too be a servant of God in the apostolic tradition of Paul and Jesus. Like his father in the common faith, Titus will preach about faith, knowledge that leads to godliness, And the hope of eternal life, but this is no ordinary preaching. Paul makes the point that eternal life, as I've already shared, is manifested, appears, is brought to light through the preaching of the word. And I'd like to share what Tim Chester says about this on the screen. I couldn't say it better than him. Eternal life is brought to light in preaching. The eternal promise of God appears when we share the gospel. Eternal life appears in your town. When you speak about Jesus, as you speak the gospel, eternity enters history. Christ is made present. He appears and people meet him in our words. Eternal fates are sealed by the words of our mouths. The model for Titus is thus the model for us. Eternal life, think about it. The hope of eternal life breaks into human history enters into scone and the surrounding towns as we simply proclaim the good news of salvation yes there we go one amen for the love of god let us then evangelize evangelism is simply the art of proclaiming the gospel but evangelism is not limited to sermons or revival nights evangelism is simply bragging to others about jesus like my mentor in the faith faith who came here to preach to you guys for a month laurie that's him with all the youth evangelizing bragging about jesus in my old church if you're feeling intimidated to share the faith remember you are already a seasoned evangelist you are a news sharer by nature You you share about your favourite sports, your epic sales that you find, or a restaurant with delicious steaks. I love a steak, you know that. But this is the heart of evangelism, sharing good news with the people we love. But instead of speaking about sports, sales and steaks primarily, we share about the wonderful hope found in Jesus the saviour of the world. And so let me conclude with these words. Paul was entrusted to preach. He provided a pattern for Titus to follow, a pattern for us to follow. I pray as we continue to meditate upon the vital core of Paul's ministry, that we will feel entrusted to proclaim the gospel in our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our social circles. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Eternal life appears in our town when we speak about Jesus. Let us then be beautiful feet who bring good news. Let us live as people entrusted to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen.